And welcome to the Back in Style podcast, the Twisted Mug Media Network's Twin Peaks podcast. I'm Logan. And I'm Matthew. And this week we're going to be talking about uh, episode 8 of Twin Peaks, uh, the first episode of season 2, uh, given the title later, uh, May the Giant Be With You. Oh, May the Giant Be With You. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it's that. The title on, uh, it's the title on Netflix, yeah. Interesting. Title. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, we, we have reached season 2. We have, um, So if you're sticking around, thank you for sticking with us all the way through season 1. Um, a couple more episodes in season two than in season one, but we're going to crank mm-hmm. right through it. Um, and this episode, oh my goodness. I know the past the past podcasts have been a little bit short, but I think you can buckle down for a pretty long one today, because this is like yeah. a full-length movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so this is basically like double the length of the other uh, episodes, um, mm-hmm. and it's there, there's a lot to talk about. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> there's a lot that happens. Um, so... I mean, we can we can just kind of explain the uh, the premise of our podcast for for folks that may be listening for the first time. Uh, first of all, if you are listening for the first time, thanks for joining us. Uh, definitely go back and listen to the other ones. Um, but so I have seen the show before, um, and Matt is kind of a newcomer here. So we are uh, we talk about the episode that we're on and nothing in the future. Uh, so if you're just going through the series for the first time, then this is a friendly podcast for you. Um, and we're happy that you're with us. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess we can get into the plot summary. I'm reading from the essential wrapped in plastic by John Thorne, the Twin Peaks Bible. (laughs) Exactly. The Twin Peaks Bible. Uh, so that's what I use for all the plot summaries and all the little fun facts that I throw in, uh, here and there. So (laughs) let's get started at the great Northern hotel. Cooper lies bleeding on the floor. An old room service waiter delivers warm milk. The giant appears and offers more clues. The giant takes Cooper's ring. Ben approaches Audrey as she hides behind a mask. Jerry calls Ben away. Uh, Truman, Hawk, and Andy burst into Cooper's room. Later, at the hospital, Cooper tells Truman his assailant was wearing a mask. Shelley watches the news report about the mill fire. Cooper sees the dead Jacques in a bag on a stretcher. Leland's hair has turned white. Maddie has a vision of a distorted carpet as if a body has been dragged across it. Um, uh, a singing Leland arrives at the Great Northern while Ben and Jerry dance. Uh, At Leo's, Hawk finds a copy of Fleshworld and a gas-soaked jacket while Cooper and Truman find a pair of Circle brand boots and a lot of cocaine. Donna and Maddie worry that Dr. Jacoby was attacked because they lured him out. Norma gives Donna a note that says, Look into the Meals on Wheels. Andy tells Cooper that Leo has an alibi. James tells Truman that One night, Laura started reciting a scary poem and then said, Would you like to play with fire, little boy? Would you like to play with Bob? Cooper demands that James give him the other half of Laura's heart necklace. James says that he got it from Jacoby's. Uh, Cooper directs Lucy and Andy to search back issues of Fleshworld for pictures of Teresa Banks. Jacoby tells Cooper he saw James and Donna bury the necklace. He says that Laura was leading a double life, and she was two people. He felt that Laura decided to end her life, and then maybe she allowed herself to be killed. Jacoby says he remembers the smell of scorched engine oil at the time that Jacques was killed. Shelley tells Bobby that Leo tried to kill her. Ed tells Cooper that uh, Nadine is in a coma. He recounts the story of how he accidentally shot out Nadine's eye. Cooper tells Truman he is ready to lay the whole thing out. Norma spies Ed sitting by Nadine's bedside. Major Briggs tells Bobby about his vision. Bobby is moved to tears. Uh, Cooper and Albert summarize the Laura Palmer case and conclude that Jacques and Leo are innocent and that only a third man could have been the killer. 
Pete tells Truman that Josie went to Seattle on business. Truman answers a call from the Asian man who is asking for Josie. Uh, Ben realizes that Audrey is missing. Hank tells Ben and Jerry about how he shot Leo and lured Catherine to the mill. At One-Eyed Jack's, Blackie threatens Audrey. Donna asks Norma if she can take over Laura's Meals on Wheels route. Leland, Sarah, and Maddie visit the Haywards for dinner. Leland collapses. Audrey prays to a sleeping Cooper about the note she left. The camera pans across Cooper's bed to show the note under the bed. The giant reappears to Cooper. He says, One person saw the third man. At the hospital, Ronette awakens. She remembers Bob killing Laura. Bob screams in pain and rage. And that is the end of the plot summary for this episode. Yeah, so as we said, this is a long episode and so many new developments in it. Um, the season one finale ended with so many cliffhangers, and this ties up, you know, almost all of them and introduces even more <laughs> for the next episodes to conclude. Yeah, it ties up a lot, but, um, you know, the first question that we get answered, uh, although not right away, is it, it kind of, does Cooper survive? Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, after four months of waiting, uh, Lynch makes the, the audience wait, um, you know, 15 to 20 extra minutes uh, to get a conclusion to this uh, Cooper plot. Yeah, and um, in typical Twin Peaks fashion, it's in the weirdest uh, way ever. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. This, I mean, this this whole episode is very eerie. Me and Logan, we'll get to talk about it later at the end of the episode how oh frightening gosh. that is. But even this beginning... Because the episode opens up and you have the older gentleman, mm-hmm. um, the waiter, walking in, and he, he keeps on repeating these statements, and he you know he kind of puts up his finger and shakes it at yeah. him. And even that was so unsettling. It, it, oh, it's so strange the way that Lynch just gets under your skin with these this imagery and these characters. Yeah, yeah, very, very kind of funny scene, kind of. Um... I mean, it's excruciating to watch because the waiter is moving so slow. And, and he repeats the things so many times. He repeats times. everything and he's not, you know, he's not getting a doctor. Cooper needs him to get a doctor because he's just been shot. But, um, yeah, it's we we have this whole long, drawn-out scene. Um, but, you know, after that, the, the a giant comes into the room. Yeah, and he kind of, um, doesn't he kind of, like, fade into the room? The whole lighting changes. It's so very cool. In this episode, it's interesting because I don't know what technological developments happened between season one yeah. and season two, but there's, like, a couple instances in this episode where there's, like, these different, like, you know, they play with the camera and the lights that we haven't seen before in season one. It's just kind of interesting. I know later on, the, kind of, the camera kind of, like, twists and turns as mm-hmm. Cooper's vision returns. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And there are almost, like... It's almost like a spotlight kind of effect on the giant mm-hmm. um, when that happens, which which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, Do you know anything about like the the actor and the performance of it? Is it like a big prosthetic? Are you the sure? actor? No, he's just a very he's a very tall man. Really? He's been in he's been in some other things. I want to say he was in like. Uh, some Star Trek episode where he played like an alien or something like that. So he actually um, he does look like that. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. He's he's a very very tall guy and a very deep voice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let me let me see if I can. Yeah, because it's I, I the whole time I was wondering how did they how did they pull this off? Who is this guy? <laughs> uh, so around the same time as Twin Peaks in uh, 1991 and 1993, he played uh, Lurch. I don't know that character in the Adams Family movies. Oh, um, but. Yeah, uh, he was he was apparently in Men in Black. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess he plays a lot of uh, similar creatures. Oh, you know what? He was in uh, Gotham. He was a tall monster in that. Oh, like the recent so, TV yeah, show. Yeah, the recent TV uh, really, show. Yeah. Is he like a? Is he American or? 
He is... I'm not actually sure. I want to say... Yeah, he was born in the Netherlands. Okay, yeah, so, the yeah. accent was... Yeah, he has, he's got an interesting accent. But yeah, I think... Uh, really, really interesting scene. And he... Um, apparently during this whole filming, he was like worried that the audiences were going to turn it off. Uh, and David Lynch just kept telling him to go slower and more uh, you know, more atmospheric, which I think really works for the scene. Yeah, it does. But he, he the things he's saying, mm-hmm. it's just... And these very strange statements, you know, seemingly make no sense. Um, but then, like throughout the episode, you kind of start to piece it together. But still, he's just—it's just, it, so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the one thing is, so so he he tells Cooper three things, right? Mm-hmm. First one is there's a man and a smiling bag. Yep. Which Cooper does see later. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very interesting. Uh, we we can talk about more about the symbolism of that when we get there. But um, and then the other th- the other two are the owls are not what they seem, and yep. uh, without chemicals he points. Yeah. So we only get an answer, or kind of an answer, I guess. We noticed the first mm-hmm. one in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just trying to think, what, what what other context have we seen owls in? I feel owls, like, haven't we seen owls before? There was something like that um, in one of the other episodes, and it was so long ago because we, we on our podcast, we took quite a bit of a hiatus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but was, <laughs> yeah. it, was it when they were going to the log lady's house? I think it was something at the log lady's house. Let me see if I can find my notes. I'm going to yeah. have to scroll back a little bit for this because I, I like, I know there was some sort of owl imagery at some point in uh-huh. the show. Yeah. So she gives like a kind of a testimonial about the night that Laura died. And she says, uh, dark laughing. The owls uh, were flying. She says the owls were flying. And mm-hmm. then, uh, flashlights passed by in the, uh, in the woods over the bridge, the owls were near. Uh, and then a little bit later, she says the owls were silent um, after that, after, I guess, after Laura died. Um, but so I guess that's that's sort of the owl imagery that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're realizing, you know, the owls are not what they seem. I know. So maybe that's due. Maybe what the log lady's testimony is not to be taken um, as truthful. You know, maybe it's it, it's not exactly the what actually went down. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I, or maybe. maybe it's literally the owls are not what they seem, and right. it's like some weird, like, I don't know, or not actually owls thing. Yeah, right. You never know. But so owls are kind of, owls kind of become a, a recurring theme uh, from here moving forward. Um, the I'll tell you the third thing without chemicals, he points, that sort of gets a more concrete uh, meaning in the next few episodes here. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that having to do something maybe with Mike or Bob. I don't okay. Know. Yeah. Um, and then he also says something uh, that Leo is locked inside a hungry horse. Oh, that's right. Leo is locked inside a hungry horse. Which I think that does get solved at, at towards the end of the episode. Um, I'm blanking. I don't remember. So they say, so Hawk says that, or Andy, I think Andy says that he called, um, hungry horse. Is it like a town in Montana? Mm -hmm. And apparently Leo Johnson was in jail there. Okay. Uh, and they said that that was the night that Teresa Banks died. I think we have heard about Teresa Banks before. I, I remember they they mentioned this episode. I couldn't remember exactly what context it was before. What was it? Um, I think she was the, um, she was the girl that died, like, I think, like, a year before this um, in similar circumstances and also had the letter under her fingernail. That's right. But it was in a different town, right? Right. Mm-hmm. A different town. And that, but that was the connection. So they, fa- so they found out that Leo was in jail the night that she died. Mm-hmm. Um, so there couldn't have been – so he couldn't – he probably wasn't 
uh, the one who killed Laura, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, locked inside a hungry horse. Interesting. interesting. Which it's it's a it's very cryptic, but they they kind of figure it all yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, kind of when I first heard her, it, it made me think of a Trojan horse. You know, uh-huh. you'll be inside a horse, Trojan horse. I don't know. Yeah, but awesome. interesting. Yeah, um, and you know, the giant says that's all he's permitted to say, mm-hmm. um, but he does want to help. So he seems like he's kind of like. A little bit of a spirit like, you know, like Mike and Bob, but he seems to be wanting to help Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pointing him in the right direction. He obviously right. knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just not allowed to interfere that much. Yeah. It's um, like these, these these forces, these powers in the town. I don't know. That's weird. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting stuff. Um, but, you know, right from here, we got to go to see another cliffhanger. Uh, with Ben and Audrey at One-Eyed Jacks. Oh, yeah, this was this was painful to very watch. Weir- very weird scene. Um, yeah, so when we left off, Audrey was, uh, she got hired at right. uh, One-Eyed Jacks, and she was going to see her first client, and of course it was Ben. Uh, so we were yeah. left with a predicament of how she was going to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And she does so rather skillfully. <laughs> yeah, so she, she does it in kind of a playful way, and mm-hmm. she's trying to, um, you know, she's trying to kind of prolong the uh, the encounter with, with her father, um, and, you know, ju- luckily, just in time, uh, Jerry calls Ben out of the room uh, and says they have a snag and they need to go deal with something, but, it, you know, in the middle of this scene, there's there's something going on with Jerry and Blackie, and I couldn't really tell what it was. I don't know, I'm, I don't know if you really remember this. I, I slightly remember it's it. It's a weird scene, and I don't, I honestly don't know what's happening. Doesn't, she, doesn't she tell him... It's almost like he's intimidating her, and she then she say like, "Get away from me!" Or right, uh, he was, gives her some drugs or something, something like that. It's interesting because Blackie's in the power dynamics and all the scenes mm-hmm. we've seen Blackie. She's always been the one in power and control and just domineering. But in this scene, Ben, the old little Weasley, be- or um, Jerry mm-hmm. Weasley, Jerry is kind of has some control over her. Yeah, it's very interesting because I guess I mean I guess like he's Ben's brother. Ben owns the place, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah. yeah, but we don't even see that with Ben and Blackie. Like, yeah, they're usually that's just, true. Just friends joking around, but I don't know. It's weird to see that dynamic with Jerry. But yeah, something's going on with Jerry there. Um, and so Jerry comes to get Ben, but I don't know. When Jerry says that they have a snag, what's the snag? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Right? Why does he have to get him out? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm glad that he does get him out, but mm-hmm. you know what's going on there? Yes, uh, is that's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Audrey is saved this time, uh, but she has another encounter with Blackie later in the episode that, yes. you know, maybe she's not, maybe she's not done. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's now 18 minutes into the episode and, uh, finally Truman and Hawk and Andy show up at, uh, the Great Northern at Cooper's room. Yep. And they're ready to save him, finally. <laughs> Um, but Cooper leaves a message to Diane. Yes. Um, he says, that, Oh, cause he, he speaks if it's on. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And he was wearing his bulletproof vest, but he folded it up so that he could get a wood tick. That was, that was, uh, yeah. Wait, so itching. what What was, oh yeah, it was, the wood tick was wood, itching him when he folded it. Yeah. So, so he, so they blocked both of the shots, was it? Or there was one it, that punctured there him. There were three, right. There were three and only one hit him. Yes. Was it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting little <laughs> tidbit there. Mm-hmm. But he, Cooper says this thing. He says, uh, "Getting shot isn't as bad as I thought, as long as you can keep the fear from your mind." Interesting. And then he repeats it again. He says, "It's not. It's you can say that about anything. It's not as bad as you think, as long as you can keep the fear from your mind." 
Um, which is a really interesting line uh, that I think plays into the rest of the season really nicely. Um, and I, I think it's definitely intentional that he repeated that line. For sure. Um, it's Whenever they repeat something, it's it's definitely important. Yeah, a lot of repeating, especially in the beginning of this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah, well, not all, not all the stuff that the waiter says is super important. Yeah. But, you know. Um, so... While uh, Cooper is at the hospital now, he's kind of waking up, and uh, Truman and Doc Hayward are checking on him. Lucy's mm-hmm. there. Yes. Um, and in in a, a very generous move to the audience, uh, they let Lucy recap basically everything that happened at the end of the last season. That's right. Yep, I remember she's just kind of reading from a notebook. Right. It's, a, it's a little helpful reminder. Yeah. So what she says is, Leo Johnson was shot, Jacques Renault was strangled, the mill burned, Shelley and Pete got smoke inhalation. Catherine and Josie are missing. Nadine is in a coma from taking sleeping pills. And <laughs> Cooper just says, how long was I out? <laughs> I know, it gives you, you kind of forget just how much went down in the in the one night, in it the was, one episode. It's it, a lot. It was very eventful. And this is another really eventful episode. Yeah, uh, but but her, what she says kind of yeah. gives us an answer to something. You know, we hear that, uh, he says, Pete and Shelly got smoke inhalation, so mm-hmm. you know, we know Pete lived and right. Shelly lived, but then Catherine and Josie are missing. Right. We never really find out anything about that in this episode. We know Josie went to Seattle, apparently. Right. But we don't know anything about Catherine. Yeah, right. So, um, but, so Catherine and Shelly were together, uh, but and we know that Shelly made it out, but we don't know about Catherine yet. Um, yes. So, yeah, so that's interesting. I guess, I don't know how Shelly got out, but. Yeah. Pete yeah. found her, not Catherine. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Um, there's that uh, nice little recap. And mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere, uh, a, a lot of things seem to be happening at the hospital, right? Jacques is there, and um, Cooper has to be there, and, uh, you know, Nadine's there now, and Shelley's there, and yes. Jacoby's there, too. Yeah. Uh, and now another character that uh, is maybe out of a coma is Ronette Pulaski. Oh, does that, that happens here. Yep. That happens right here. So we just we see her awaken, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And she kind of she starts to like flip out. Right. right? Yeah. Oh, it's super eerie because I kind of forgot about her. Yeah. Because we haven't seen right. her in so long, because she's been in a coma for the entire mm-hmm. season, and I mean this will be pretty helpful. With, yeah. With uh, testimony and stuff, but yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Well, because they say later in the episode um, when they're giving their whole like re- when Trooper and uh, uh, Trooper. I know, wow. I totally <laughs> just combined uh, Truman and Cooper. When um, Truman and Cooper and Albert are giving their whole like analysis of what happened uh, the night that Laura was killed, they say, uh, you know, Laura's dead, Jacques is dead, uh, and Leo and um, Leo's missing, and like Ronette's in a coma. Yeah. So they basically have like no witnesses. Oh, and also Waldo is dead now. Um, That's right. Yeah. Right? So they basically only have the third man now. But um, you know, now that Ronette is up, that might give them some more new leads. Mm-hmm. The mysterious be... third man. Exactly. Ooh. Right. Very, very creepy. Like language to use. Like the the third man. I don't uh-huh. know. Um, yeah. In- interesting stuff mm-hmm. for sure. And um, so. So then, so then at this part, then Cooper tries to stand up and leave. Right. Right. And then that's when we see the bag. Yes. Yep. So, and that's the body bag for Jock, right? So, and, yeah. And at first, it's not smiling. Like at first, it's just laying yeah. flat on the thing, and he's like, "Is that smiling?" But later, he sees the bag, and it's hanging up. Yes. And then he kind of really sees it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And again, here, I love the duality 
of you know a smile versus the it's a bag that you keep a body in. Yes. Like it's death, but it's a smile. Mm-hmm. It's eerie, and and they don't make it like yeah, like you said, it doesn't look like a smile too much. That so it's just weird. But you can kind of like oh okay, I, I kind of see the folds and how it could be a smile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David Lynch also, I, I believe he used to work in like a morgue, so he spent he would spend a lot of time around dead bodies, and this shouldn't be surprising at all. It's not, um, <laughs> and I, I imagine that you know he kind of saw that image uh, during that time when he was working there, and sort of liked it and kept it in the back of his head, and then got to use it here. Yeah, um, that that makes sense. Very very <laughs> creepy, and and yeah, I, I love the way that it works because um, mm-hmm. it's. You know, that by itself doesn't really matter, but uh, it sort of tells us that, okay, maybe the giant can be trusted. Maybe the rest of the things that he says are are actually going to mean something. That's true. Yep. Um, so that's pretty nice to see. Uh, from here, we can, we can go to the Palmer house, and uh, Maddie is talking about a dream she had last night. That's and it's right. about the rug, and she sees... Uh-huh. This like stain move over the rug, mm-hmm. and and it's not it's not like blood if I recall. It's right. just it's just you know when a carpet has when you kind of walk on or you lay on it, it kind of like shifts the opposite direction. Right. It almost looks like out. it's like a vacuum, like when mm-hmm. you vacuum and it yeah. like turns a different color because it's because the you know carpet things are like facing the other way. It's yeah, like, it's that kind of thing. I hadn't really made the connection about things specifically as a, of a body being dragged across it until you read it in the plot. Yeah, summer, right. Which is very interesting. Um, if you take it literally, then okay, then maybe um, someone in the, uh, in the in the Palmer household, you know, was dragging her across the floor, and this takes me back to my suspicions about Leland. Ah. <laughs> I swear something's going to come out of this. Leland will be suspe- uh, guilty or suspicious of something, and will be you know concrete evidence. But yeah, we get some weird stuff with him. But yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah. So an interesting thing about that um, the carpet scene is that. Uh, on the Japanese laser disc, apparently, it shows a distorted image of Bob superimposed on the carpet. So instead of just being like a stain or like a like a body being dragged, it's it's an image of Bob. Really? Yeah. I wonder why that is. I don't know. I I, I would be interested to actually watch that. Cause I, I don't know like really what that means. I'm just wondering why they only did on the Japanese laser disc. Yeah, right. I mean, either it's just them being like, ooh, here's a little, like, (laughs) clue that we'll only give to these people who buy the Japanese laser disc, or it's just for some technological reason. But that's interesting, because we've seen Bob in the Palmer household before when Mrs. Palmer, in, like, the very first episode, whenever Mm -hmm. sees him, like, creeping behind the couch or whatever. Right, and that's that's a good thing to remember for later. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But, um... The other thing in this scene is that Leland's hair has turned white. And we get no explanation as <laughs> no to explanation. how. Because... So later, later in the episode, he says, I just looked in the mirror and it was white. Yeah, because the last time we saw him was when he went to the police station and was asking about the murder, right? Right. Or actually, no, when, we, when he killed yes, Jock. Yeah. That's when we saw him. So somehow this murder has just <laughs> just just changed his life completely and his appearance is now his hair is white and his demeanor is a lot more bright and uplifting cuz he is happy <laughs> he is very happy mm-hmm. i always thought that with the hair like you know sometimes uh actors have to like shoot another movie or something like you know with um mm-hmm. with justice league when henry Eric cavill had the mustache <laughs> they had to cgi out of the mustache um <laughs> But I, I always imagine that, like, something like that happened. Like, he had to have, you know, this silver hair for the, um, for, for another, some other movie that he was shooting. Mm-hmm. They they just couldn't give an explanation on Twin Peaks. They rolled with it, yeah. yeah. I have no idea, though, but, um. Yeah, but he's certainly a lot happier. He is. He's very, acting very chipper. Yeah. Um, but 
uh, you know, next after that, uh, he shows up at, um, shows up at the Great Northern, mm-hmm. um, and he's still singing his song, and he's he's acting all happy, and he says, "I'm back to Ben, to yeah. Ben." Uh, and it's Jerry. a song that he sings repeatedly throughout the episode. Exactly. I don't yeah. know exactly what song it is. I don't know if you know. It's a yeah. So the song is called Mersey Dotes, and it's it's meant to be like it's meant to sound like nonsense at first, um, and then he he breaks it down, and he uh, the. You know, the one phrase in the song kind of breaks it down and says, mares eat oats. And so it's kind of like, it sounds like nothing at first, but then it's, you know, it does have a meaning. Um, and it just kind of sounds funny when you're saying it fast. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting, interesting choice, I guess. I guess that's kind of a lot of Lynch's work. It's, it's, it seems like it's just nothing altogether, but you know, then when you, uh, when you break it down, it, it does mean something maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so Ben and Jerry are talking and, and they, we, we learn a little bit more about what Ben knows. And so he says that he wants Catherine's location. So he doesn't know where Catherine is. He doesn't mm-hmm. know if she's dead or alive. Um, but he seems to think that she's alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also says that he wants to know why Leo isn't dead. So he knew that Hank was going to shoot Leo. Yes. I think. So, yeah, that was one of the questions from last episode. Um, what is Hank doing on his own, mm-hmm. and what has Ben ordering him to do? So we knew, so he did in fact try to do that, but Leo is not dead, right? <laughs> Which is, I don't know. It's interesting because I I thought for sure that he had died because yeah. it was almost like we saw him die, but uh, the Hank apparently not as good as a shooter as we think. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, Catherine. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole reason he burned down the mill was to get to kill Catherine, get the life right. insurance, but she's disappeared as well. I don't know. Right. So I I don't know. I guess maybe if they don't. If they don't know that she's dead, maybe they can't give him the money. So I guess so. I don't. I don't really know how all that works. Yeah, unless um, it's been like a long enough time that she doesn't reappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, going along with this Hank and Leo thing in the, in the house, now all the cops are at the house. Yes, and Cooper pretty much figures it out. Uh, mm-hmm. He figures out that um, you know that that Leo was trying to kill someone with an axe and. Um, you know, he deduces that it wasn't Shelly because she's not heavy enough to maybe move the TV because it's a big TV. Um, and she says that Hank shot him from outside, which is, you know, pretty much accurate. And the mm-hmm. only missing piece there is who was Leo trying to kill. Um, but, you know, just as they're figuring all that out, uh, your favorite character, Albert, shows up again. Yes. <laughs> you were just asking last episode, I know. Where, where's Albert? I'm so glad he showed up. Um yeah, so he shows up when we get this hilarious like bit, like almost out of the old Tom and Jerry cartoon yeah. of, of Andy doing the classic. Or Ben and Jerry. Uh, yeah, uh. stepping on the <laughs> stepping on the plank and it's smacking him mm-hmm. in his face repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes on for a while. It's interesting. It does, yeah. But it, it, you know, Albert says it's a it's another great moment in law enforcement history, and it turns out they find. A new pair of boots, and as they say, a lot of cocaine. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think Leo said when he was, you know, maybe when he confronted Bobby and Mike. By the way, Mike, as in Bobby's friend, he has not showed up at Snake, all. Snake, right? Was he, yeah, Snake. Name? He is nowhere. I know they mentioned him in this episode, and I was like, "Yo, Snake!" Yeah, <laughs> where is it? The football thing. Yeah, they, like, the football thing. That was a great but, scene. Um, yeah, but anyway, Leo says something in that scene about you know I need to buy new shoes or I need to buy new boots, something like that. Oh, that's right. Right. So, mm-hmm. I guess those are the new boots that he wanted to buy, uh, along with the cocaine that that he puts in footballs. <laughs> um, 
so they find that and you know andy that's a that's a stroke of genius he didn't even think to check there until uh, it's true yeah andy, yeah uh andy seems to stumble upon a lot of uh very uh, like good observations but in a in very dumb ways <laughs> unconventional ways yes, yes definitely um but so from here we go to the double r and there's a guy right at the beginning of the scene who is like screaming about the pie like i forget what he's saying but uh, do you remember that yeah, it's like the camera like pans over the bar or something and he's like talking about like how good it is I right believe. he's like oh, there's this some damn good pie and yes. then it just like, kind of moves away from him to yeah. the, the hank or whatever so yeah. strange so strange <laughs> but um yeah uh, and then another very weird scene here at the double r maddie and donna are talking um oh yeah so um donna in this right. episode is weird. Like, I don't know what happened, but she comes in wearing the sunglasses, she's smoking right. a cigarette, and we get a scene later with James that's even stranger. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, she she is, it's strange, in the jump to season one to season two, a lot of characters, like, just personalities have changed completely, whether right. it's, it's Leland or this guy, or this girl. Or, and, and we see that with Bobby, too. Yeah. The per, a big personality mm-hmm. change at the double R. I almost feel like uh, all these, like, n- new personalities that we're seeing at the double R, um, you know, those two, and... Also, like, Hank kind of trying to start a new life, maybe. Um, I feel like maybe the double R, like, leading a double life, like, maybe that's a maybe that's a place where you can kind of turn your life around or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting observation. But, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting character developments happen at the double R in this yeah. episode. But uh, do you remember when um, Donna and Maddie and James were all, they were, like, trying to draw Dr. Jacoby out of the house? Mm-hmm. And Maddie put on the blonde wig, and James was like enamored with her. Right, for a James was like completely yep. enamored. He was like staring at her, and Donna was just there, like you know what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> I'm here too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe she wants to be a little bit more like Laura in this scene because she's you know she asks uh, she asked Maddie to bring glasses like the Laura's sunglasses, mm-hmm. which then wears for the rest of the episode. Um, and she's smoking now, and we know that Laura was really into drugs, and so we don't really, we don't really know. But um, Maddie too, maybe showing a bit of rebellion here. She completely breaks her glasses in half, and she says, "I hate these glasses. I'm never wearing them again." That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff with glasses in this scene, mm-hmm. and again, like the opening scene, they're all they're speaking very slowly, and it seems almost like dreamlike. Mm-hmm. Especially, um, especially Donna. She's yeah, just kind of just like floating around with a cigarette and mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, totally, very dreamlike. Yeah, something we've seen often. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, uh, Donna gets a note that says, "Look into the Meals on Wheels." Mm-hmm. And so we we knew that we know that Laura was involved in the Meals on mm-hmm. Wheels program, which is through the the double R, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So it seems like Donna is probably going to look into. Uh, the Meals on Wheels to maybe try to find some more clues about uh, what happened to Laura, mm-hmm. which uh, should be pretty interesting to watch play out. Um, a weird little vignette at the end of this scene. Um, the log lady, sitting at the double R, uh, spits out her gum onto the table and then sticks it to the wall. Yeah. She's just sitting in the very corner of the restaurant. Yeah. And I don't think anyone says anything to her. I don't think she has any lines. And they don't... I mean, Maddie and Donna don't say anything that's right. related to her. <laughs> Right, I, I, 
<laughs> she just seems to be kind of there and uh, being her weird self. But uh, maybe it's just a reminder of uh, something strange going on in the woods. It's a reminder of the owls, uh, that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the log lady throughout the show has just existed as her own like just this own being that's completely just like separated from everyone. Then occasionally, you know, like in the one episode, she drops a knowledge that is apparently useful to us. But mm-hmm. she's just, she's usually just doing her own thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so from here we go to the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already talked about this a little bit before, but you know, Andy calls Hungry Horse Montana, which is apparently a town there. Mm-hmm. Finds out that Leo is locked up, so he couldn't have been the one who killed Teresa Banks. Yeah. Um. So that's, uh, we already, you know, with all the talk about the third man later in the episode, we, we kind of know that it was someone else, but, um, yeah, this is, this is just kind of the nail in the coffin. It it wasn't Leo. um, Yeah. It's kind of interesting with the developments of this plot, um, because we still have a whole season to go and a movie and a whole other season. And it almost, I was like, well, this is moving along kind of fast. Like we've already narrowed it down to a third man almost definitively, it Mm -hmm. seems, so I, I'm just wondering where where this will go. I, 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 it's just interesting to see how this will play out in the future. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting to see, and and not the whole, um, you know, and not not all of the you know all of the movie and all of season two and all of um, uh, you know all of the the new season the return is they're still trying to solve this. You know, like they're mm-hmm. they're. They 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 figure it out, but there are a lot of other questions. Yes, um, mm-hmm. that build for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I I they're getting closer. It seems mm-hmm. like they're getting closer. And just as they say, uh, you know, Leo couldn't have been the one to uh, kill Laura because he didn't kill Teresa Banks. Uh, Mike walks in the door. Yes, the one-armed shoe salesman and. We were also just talking about him the last episode. When are Mike and Bob going to mm-hmm. show up again? And, and they, they appear. They definitely do. Yeah, but Mike walks in and he says that he's selling shoes. Mm-hmm. The Truman, right? Right. He says specifically. Yeah. And we, we never see that happen and we never know if that's true. Mm-hmm. But we just, we see him walk in. He just walks in and says that he's selling shoes, yeah. And isn't his thing, he only sells like uh, shoes for the right foot or something? Right, yeah. He only sh- he only sells like right or left shoes. Cause yeah. He, or that's just his like display case. Um and then he he'll like I guess send you the other one later. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, we get to stay at the police station here for a little bit because uh, Cooper and Truman are talking to James. Mm-hmm. Um, and James tells uh, James I I, I'm, I believe that James tells Truman that he went into Jacoby's place alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's trying to keep the girls out of it. And, yeah. You know, if he gets taken down for that for uh, breaking and entering, then. Uh, you know that's that's fine by him, but as long as he keeps the girls out of it. Yes. Um, but you know he says something about a story where Laura recited this poem and said, "Like, do you want to play with fire? Do you want to play with Bob?" Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? What are your I, thoughts on this? So once again, the fire. Like we mm-hmm. throughout the entire season, we have this thing with fire. Um, it's interesting because later on we see. Bob with her in the train, you know, ostensibly the third man being Bob. Um, I don't know. Did she have this relationship with Bob for a while? She knew about him. Was was, was Bob luring other people into the train that like, and she was trying to get, you know, maybe James to come with her, mm-hmm. doing some illicit activities with Bob. I don't, I don't know. It, it all just this, this other side of Laura. You know, this 
Exactly. You want yeah. to play with fire. Right. Her dark side, and was she trying to lure someone else into into her yeah. her dark side there? Yeah. Um. Well, so now Donna shows up at the police station. James is down in his cell, so she comes to visit him. This is a weird scene. This weird scene. She walks in immediately, and there's this like wolf whistle sound effect that comes from somewhere. No, no yeah, nowhere. I don't know if there's another. They're like prisoners now across from James or something, but we don't see. <laughs> I don't know. We don't see the origin of this sound. There's, a, there's like a some cop in there, like a a guy, you know, repairing. I think we saw a guy in there like repairing the lights before. So maybe yeah, that's, maybe that's him. Um, yeah, but she she's in what we talked about before in this very dreamlike state. She's got the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. You know, the jazzy Cigarette. music comes back. She's just kind of like floating. And uh, I mean, what you're talking about, maybe she's trying to appeal more to James. I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like it works in this yeah. in this scene. Um, it's it's weird. It kind of reminded me. Do you know the movie Cry Baby with Johnny Depp? Mm-hmm. There, there's like a scene kind of similar to this where. He's in a prison, and like his girlfriend comes, and they're like, there's like a glass wall like separating them, but like, it, it's weird. They're like, they're like, they're like making out like the glass walls okay. between them, and like almost having sex. It's okay. weird, but this is just what it reminded me of. Yeah, that's <laughs> because they start kissing weird. through the prison right, bars, yeah. which can't be too comfortable. But. No, not. Um, yeah, weird, 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 weird scene. Um. Nothing really happens in that scene. No, no real developments. But uh, it's just funny. There's a, there's an exchange that they have about, you know, uh, when do you smart? When do you start smoking? I smoke every once in a while. It helps relieve the tension. And James <laughs> says, "When did you get so tense?" And Donna says, "When I started smoking." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always like that. When yeah, get that's funny. Um, and now, again, we get again still at the police station. Lucy and Andy mm-hmm. get the extremely uncomfortable task. They're, uh, they've like broken up. Um, they're having issues, but she's pregnant. She's pregnant, and now they have to look through pornos together uh, to try to find uh, what a you know just ideal couple activity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's for evidence. It's for research on evidence mm-hmm. of Teresa Banks. Um, but yeah, really, really funny position that they're in, mm-hmm. and she's very professional about exactly. it. Like, we can do this, just you know, as professional. But he's like, he doesn't know how to react to right. her. He doesn't really know. What to do. Yeah, very funny. Um, and uh, so Jacoby, um, and we're now gonna we're now gonna interrogate Jacoby a little mm-hmm. bit. He was, how did he have the necklace? Is a question. Mm-hmm. And so he's beat up. Flashback. He was beat up in the previous episode. Yes. He's now in the hospital. Right, right, right. We never really find out who beats him who up. Beats him I up. don't think so. Uh, I mean, we can we can we can guess, but yeah, we never find out definitively. Um, but yeah, he talks about how you know he he got the necklace in the first episode. Mm-hmm. How he followed uh, was it James? No, the police car chased him, but mm-hmm. then you know he got away. And then he, he the question in the first episode was who was the gloved hand? We found out that it's him. Right. Um. Yeah, I forget. What else does he say specifically? He talks more about Laura and her dark side, right? Mm-hmm. And just this, this, she was living a double life. Yeah, right. He he talks about the, um, he talks about the heart and how it was broken in half. And so a little more clarity and like that kind of symbolism um, with that, the duality and mm-hmm. her, her whole double life mixed with the, the broken heart in, in the two halves. But uh, yeah, he talks about how he thinks maybe Laura wanted to die. Mm-hmm. Um, that night, and and Cooper says, "Hold on, like she didn't commit suicide; someone killed her." Um, but I mean, he doesn't know that for sure, right? Right? I mean, not. because 
he, like like Jacoby says, she, she could have let someone kill her. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so maybe she kind of let the darkness in. Yeah, and... willingly put herself in this very you know perilous situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's really a good scene. But um, you know, another thing that Jacoby says is that when Jacques was killed, when Leland killed Jacques, it smelled like scorched engine oil. That's what he said. Because he was in the hospital at the same time. Right. He says it's, and Cooper goes, yeah, it's, and in cases of strangulation, sometimes the victims void their bowels. Mm-hmm. But, uh. But he was like, no, 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 it, was, it right. was engine oil. It was engine oil, so. But, I mean, we almost, we know for sure that it was Leland. Right. We saw, Leland we saw do. him do it, yeah. I mean, Leland was wearing, like, a long leather jacket, right? I mean. Yeah, uh, smelled. Yeah, of engine oil. That just maybe. stank like oil. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, I, I've never seen Leland. Maybe James was nearby and he had just been riding his bike. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe Leland's driving a motorcycle around down the streets of Twin Peaks. Haven't maybe. seen that yet. <laughs> no, we haven't seen that. that yeah, maybe, maybe with his white hair, he'll bring that side out Maybe, more. <laughs> yeah. He'll have a midlife crisis. Whole other look. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um. But, uh, hold on. I lost my place in my notes. Oh, you know what? Something about this episode. There are so many jokes about the hospital food. Really? Yeah. Oh! Everyone, yeah. like, there's... And, and the, it's, like, bubbling and simmering, like bubbling. There's right? There's the gag with, um, Pete going up and, like, smelling it and then putting the oxygen tube back in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Norma says, like, that food will kill you faster than most diseases. And, uh... Bobby is like telling Shelly not to eat the food, you know. I and I think Jacoby too. Yeah. Um, they're like, is, you know, is he? What, what drugs is he on? And uh, Doc Hayward says, "What drugs is he on?" And the nurse is like, "Just what you gave him." And <laughs> Jacoby's like, "I did take a bite of the hospital food." Yeah. It's like, could that be it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that's, I don't that's really the know source why. of all these dreams and like visions. I think that's having. it. I think the hospital food killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. This, this is what it all. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, there's a there's a, a, a great scene with uh, Bobby and Shelley um, in in her hospital bed, mm-hmm. and they talk about Leo, um, and Leo is so she knows that Leo is in the hospital, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and you know they're kind of like Leo is like Leo's done, Leo's not you know going to be able to hurt you anymore, um, and at the end of the scene, you know, Bobby's leaving and, and Shelly calls after him and she says, I love you. And Bobby's like, I guess I love you too. <laughs> yeah, he gave this very, you know, this weird look on his face and he was like, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, it seemed nice and genuine. But yeah, this problem that they've been trying to eradicate from their lives, Leo, uh-huh. e- even after, you know, the events of last episode, they can't even get rid of him. Right, totally. they can't get rid of him. And I think he's still going to be a problem. Yeah, and then, um, you know, Ed's acting in this next scene is also just so great. He's talking about Nadine, mm-hmm. um, talking about the coma. And we get this answer as to her eye patch. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, as to uh, he shot yeah, her. Yeah. Which is, I I just assumed she just, I don't know, didn't have an eye or right. something. But I, I never thought Ed had shot her. <laughs> I love Albert's. Albert gives just a great reaction look once um, once Ed tells about how he shot her eye out. <laughs> He's Albert's just clearly so lost here. Um, 
It's just such a different world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even to us, the the audience, it, it feels so genuine. And then right. Albert's like, you know what? <laughs> I feel like that's kind of true at Twin Peaks. If you hop into an episode without having watched the entire yeah, thing, you're probably right. going, what, what the hell is this? Exactly. <laughs> but having seen the whole thing, it makes sense and you're invested. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, Ed, Ed has just impeccable acting in this scene. Mm-hmm. He says some really, really profound, genuine stuff um, about Nadine. And, yes, yeah, so that's, that's a really, really nice scene there, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we just hope that she's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, what he says is um, he has to that, – that Nadine has to want to come out of the coma for her mm-hmm. to get out of the coma. So, I we'll don't know. S- we'll see where that goes. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. I'm sure, sure she'll come back, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so another thing in the scene is that Albert says that he's going to check in at the Great Northern. So I guess he's staying a while to help with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, at least like overnight. Yeah. And I know you you talked about uh, David Lynch's character that he plays in the show. Yeah, Gordon Cole. And I think they mentioned him at some point in this episode. I th- but yeah. I feel like he'll I probably... think he might have been on... He was on the phone in another episode. Yeah. Maybe, I yeah. feel like he'll definitely make an appearance probably pretty soon if Albert's coming down. Maybe mm-hmm. more people come down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... You know, another character that we haven't seen in a really long time, but, um, you know, a great character, definitely in those first few episodes, is uh, Major Briggs. Mm-hmm. And he's back for a fantastic scene. Oh, yeah, a weird scene. Weird scene, but uh, very, so, very moving scene. So this takes place at the double R, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Again at the double R, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Bobby walks in and sees his father there. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, because his dad says something, how was school today, right? Yeah. Which kind of raises the question. Is high school still going on? <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's still like, it's still like February or March, I think. Like in the in the Twin Peaks universe. So, so Bobby's in high school. James is in high school. Donna's in high school. Mm-hmm. Shelley's older. Right. And I think Shelley might have. Yeah, I think Shelley's like twenty. Just trying to get like, like dropped out. Remember, like who is who and who. <laughs> right. And uh, Madeline is a cousin. They all just don't go. Yeah. To, right. Madeline Maybe goes she... to another. Like, she's, like, in another state. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming she's in high school, but she just kind of dropped out of school for a bit yeah, to do this. Bit, yeah. But, yeah, he, he asked that, and he's like, Yeah, I no one goes to school anymore. <laughs> Dad, I don't go to school. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, no, this, this is supposed to take place uh, Thursday and Friday in March. So, um, I guess, uh, yeah, I really don't know. Yeah, and it, it kind of shows that Bobby has not seen his parents in a very long time. Yeah, like he's, right. I mean, we know that they were estranged, but... I mean, he's probably been just living someplace else, mm-hmm. doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so his dad starts to describe this dream he had, and in his typical, very eloquent fashion. Yeah. Um, I I don't remember exactly what the dream was, but it he's was a, he's like in his childhood house, and it's like a big estate, and um, he says that the, he says like there were rooms added on that um, they you could tell they were new, but they flowed seamlessly with the design of the rest of the place and it looked and then uh you know he opened up the door and there was his son standing there and bobby meanwhile during this whole thing is like tearing up and this scene i think this is an incredibly powerful scene the scene gets me every time um i i didn't even write down any notes about it because um i was just i just always love watching this scene um it's so great yeah yeah and like we said, maybe a change of heart for Bobby. Maybe, maybe. this relationship with his parents starts to get better. Uh-huh. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a moving scene. Yeah, well, I mean, now that he's, you know, he doesn't really seem to care if anyone knows about uh, his relationship with Shelley now, obviously, like, now that she's not, um, 
like she's not really cheating anymore like leo's definitely out of the picture um maybe he's you know maybe he's definitely kind of gonna have a change of heart Mm -hmm. uh, yeah have a better relationship with his parents and Go um, back to school, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe <laughs> Start showing once, up for class <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting if you if they played like this high school aspect of it, and I don't know. I just like to see how Lynch would play that. Yeah, maybe because we remember we saw them at school previously yeah, in the bathroom scene with right. Audrey and, yeah. and Donna. Yeah. So well, they're just going to school when they want. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and maybe. that whole like homeroom scene um, in the first episode, right when they find out Laura and the, the girl screaming outside the uh-huh. window. Yeah, but, yeah. He, he, I feel like he's very good at doing like high school. Um, Maybe like high school drama a little bit, but just kind of doesn't really do it for the rest of the season. Yeah. I guess it's kind of hard to write in when, you know, characters can only, like, be doing things from, like, you know, 3.30 to <laughs> at night, like, when, yeah. when a big chunk of their day is blocked off. But, yeah, you got to yeah. juggle a lot of aspects. Exactly, sure. yeah. Uh, it would complicate the show a little yes, bit, I think. But, um, so now we get to what I think is a really good scene, a, re- a really, really exciting scene for me, um... The first time I was watching it, Cooper and Cooper and uh, Albert told analysis uh, of what happened the night that Laura died. Yeah, so the, the, this is the scene that kind of answers a lot of questions. They kind of, yeah, they answer a lot of questions. They put a lot of things together, mm-hmm. and I think that this is always really cool for me to watch because, like, it's coming together and they're they're starting to figure it out. Um, they're getting one step closer. You yeah, know? this is what I'm saying with Wow. Like, they're already fairly far along and they're already you know piecing this together and okay well, we got third man and we just don't know who it is but there's you know one guy left who you know definitely killed him right yeah so basically their analysis um when laura said that she was nervous about meeting jay she wrote that in her diary yes they do think that that was james mm-hmm. um and after after she met with james uh she jumped from the bike at the corner of sparkwood and 21 mm-hmm. which is where laura was going to meet you yeah exactly right mm-hmm. that's yeah so i guess they lured him there like on purpose but... yeah um, and so she went with Leo and Ronette to Jacques' cabin. They passed by, um, like the log where the, the so that's why, that's how the log could like give the whole account. Um, remember mm-hmm. when the log lady was yep, like telling that's them. right. Uh, passed by like the cabin and, um, so they reached the cabin. They say it was about 1am. She had sex with Leo and Jacques. Yep. Um, then Leo and Jacques fought and Jacques passed out. Uh, they said that Leo hiked down the trail alone to his Corvette uh, and he left the girls behind because there was a third man. And so this is where the third man co- part comes in. So was the third man there the whole time, or did he just uh, appear right, after just... Leo and Jacques fought? Right. Did he follow them, like, through the woods? Mm-hmm. Did he just um, did he just fade in, like, the giant man in the, mm-hmm. in the first episode? That's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, and, he, you know, and so then they say that the third man took the girls to the train car, tied them both up, um... And do you remember how it said that Laura was, was, when she was tied up, there were two different kinds of twine? Hmm. So this kind of explains, like, the first time was, like, in the cabin. Mm-hmm. It was, like, a sex thing, I guess, right? Yeah. And then the second time was in the train car. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think that's interesting. That's maybe a little bit more uh, duality imagery, that type, the types of twine. You know? <laughs> uh, one, once for sex, once for violence, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you wanna you wanna read it like that? Yeah, read into that a bit more. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, as we see in the end of the episode, I mean, Bob was there. I mm-hmm. mean, if if that's true, then I guess Bob was the third man. Mm-hmm. Bob was the one who killed her. I don't know. I guess we'll get into that later. But yeah, yeah continue. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so they this this scene uh, brings about one of the one of the worst like incontinuities uh, in Twin Peaks and. 
basically they say that the blood type of the note of Firewalk with me, it was AB negative, which was not any of the blood types of the four people who were there, so that had to have been the third man. But they did say in another episode that Jacques' blood type was AB negative. Oh, really? So Oof. <laughs> this is kind of, I guess they just kind of forgot about that, or I don't know. So it's important that you don't pay attention to that. Just anytime <laughs> they talk about blood types, just don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they figured it out. It's the, the third man. It. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not anyone. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there, and there's, there's this very like interesting observation. I talked about it before. Uh, Jacques and Laura are both dead. Ronette and Leo are both in coma. So they only have the third man. So they're trying to find someone, um, with not really much help at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they don't have any place to start with it, yeah. And exactly. because uh, Bob, mm-hmm. the audience has only seen him, right? Because yeah. just via visions of uh, Mrs. Palmer or, you know, this ending sequence. Yeah. Um, well, I guess uh, Cooper saw him in his dream, mm-hmm. but but yeah. Right, saw so basically, like, just his head. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, taking a little break from the... From the Laura plot, I guess. Um, Pete Pete gets this note. Pete and Truman are together. Uh, and he finds this note from Josie and finds out that she's gone to Seattle mm-hmm. um, to shop, apparently. Which, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know your sense. thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, so, so, I'm just trying to recap for my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Was Josie and Ben went to go burn down the mill. And Josie wasn't in the mill or anything, right? She, like, right. she was... So, I mean, she's probably left, uh, you know, uh, escape... Um, you know, any scrutiny she might come under for for the mill burning down. But, I mean, I think that's just even more suspicious, just leaving for Seattle, was it? <laughs> right. And, yeah, and I think Hank, in, the in like, the next scene, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Hank says that Josie left because she just wanted to, like, she didn't want to be near the whole mill thing when it happened. Mm-hmm. So she kind of wanted to be, you know, not implicated in that at all. Yeah, but it certainly can raise some more conflict between her and Truman. Because he's gonna be like, "Where? Why did you just right. leave like that and not tell me?" Because he he definitely doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, Truman tells Pete that Catherine is probably dead, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a heartbreaking heartbreaking reaction with Pete. Um, it's another very very emotional scene here. Um, after a few other ones, like I guess like Ed talking about Nadine and. Uh, this whole thing with Bobby and, and the double R. Um, a lot of really, really emotional scenes. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know who directed this episode. I'm trying to... Is it Mark Frost? Right no, yeah, this episode was directed by David Lynch. Oh, really? Yeah. So this was... Um, I guess this was, like, totally... This was all him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm sure he has, you know... He had direct involvement in all the other episodes, but a lot of them aren't directed solely by him. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, the ones that have been have been really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think uh, I think he directed this one, and I don't know. I'll have to double check. Um, it's a couple in the. Yeah. Oh, right. Definitely the, the first episode. I yeah. Definitely like the the I think like the first and last of each season he mm-hmm, does. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. But um, after this, we we get a call from this like mystery guy who's calling from the Great Northern, uh, and he calls and he's asking for Josie. And Pete says Josie's not there, or Truman says Josie's not there, whoever. And then he places this international call to Hong Kong. What do you think is, like, going on there? Wait, the the, the man who's calling Truman does, Yeah. Right? Oh, wait, did we see him? 
Yes, we get to see him. It's the, yeah. the Asian guy. Yeah, right. right it's the, and yeah, it's, it's the guy like that. A... It's the guy that Audrey saw when she was walking down the hallway about two episodes ago. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So okay, because after we recorded that episode, I was like, oh, I forgot to mention that, and I was like, oh, it's probably not important. Right. Of course, it does come back. Yeah, uh-huh. she, I, for, I think it's after maybe she left the note under his door. Okay. She's walking away, and we just see the guy checking into his room down the hall, and I, I believe that's the same character. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, some sort of connection to Josie here. I don't. Related to Josie, I don't know. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, we, there's so much about Josie that we don't know. Yeah, she's definitely a very mysterious yes. um, character for sure. But um, yeah, so you know, sticking with the Great Northern, um, Jerry and Ben are are walking through the Great Northern, and and Jerry's just talking about food. Uh, <laughs> kind of a nice break from the rest of what seems to be a, a pretty. Pretty heavy episode, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jerry's just talking about whatever, these international delicacies. Um, because the Norwegians um, have left at this point. I think that's right, yeah. Because yeah, they signed the they deal. They signed on. They're gone. Yeah. Um, maybe he still has that pork chop or whatever <laughs> his girlfriend <laughs> gave him. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Hebba yeah. gave him, like, Hebba. a huge leg or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Jerry's just talking about food, and they're walking through the hallway, and... Everyone's yelling at him, hey, Mr. Horn, Mr. Horn. Um, and he's just, they seem to just completely be ignoring them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they get to the office, and who's standing there but Hank? Hank Jennings. That's right. Um, yep. So they give a little bit of a recap. Uh, Hank, de- Hank tells them that Josie left because she wanted to just distance herself from mm-hmm. the mill, um, which which is probably a smart move for her. Yes. Know? Kind of get away from all that. Mm-hmm. Um and they scold him for, you know, not killing Leo. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Hank says, well, he was just chopping wood. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a complete lie. <laughs> right, he was chopping wood inside. But So now we know Hank didn't see Bobby there. Because Hank just thinks that he was chopping wood. And, oh. and so he doesn't think that anyone saw him. So you think, uh, oh, I just kind of took that as Hank was lying. Oh, is Hank, hmm. But that I mean, could be. what reason does Hank have to lie? Right, because he wouldn't really be trying to like protect Bobby or anything like that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it would, he sort I, of what? I mean, he it would actually did protect. Bobby. Yeah, it, it would be. You would probably want to mention Bobby's because that would be a reason for him why he messed up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, maybe you're right. He's telling the truth, and that's right. He did have the axe, and he says, you know, you know, Leo. Right. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Leo, Leo would be the guy right. to chop wood indoors. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's like a weird scene because he's like, like Jerry starts to act all tough, mm-hmm. and then like Hank starts to act all tough. But he's like, oh, you know, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Yeah, and, like, right. puts his arms around oh, them. You guys. Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, Hank. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Hank's Hank's definitely a little bit of a weird character. Yeah. But um, we're we're all right. We're pretty much in the home stretch here. Okay. This episode. Um, so I know we're almost like an hour in here, but um, so uh, at One Eyed Jacks, Blackie has a little scene where she's confronting audrey yeah she's mad at her because for not wanting to have sex with her dad which i i yeah <laughs> i i don't blame her a, uh, valid reason no <laughs> um i i still don't know how she doesn't realize that audrey is you know yeah ben's daughter yeah. but whatever um yeah so, uh, so she's mad at her blackie once again now blackie's in, in the power position as mm-hmm. opposed to the scene with jerry right. um and, and i forget exactly does she, does she still she doesn't fire her, correct? No. Yeah, so Audrey's still working there, but she's just, I think she just gives her a warning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like next time, you know, do it right. Yeah, right. So, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think here Audrey is like kind of realizing that she's in a little too deep. She's in the pickle. Yeah, yeah. Because her, her whole plan was, I'm going to investigate more, and but not... now, <laughs> now what she's done, she's just become a prostitute. Instead. Yeah, it, it hasn't so really she's worked. Not really. Yeah. So I, she'll definitely try to get out of this situation. I'm sure, but yeah, I, I, yeah. But it, it, the whole thing is like, I'm going to tell like Cooper all this information, but like Cooper kind of knows what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be like, hey, and I was almost forced to have sex with my dad. Be like, okay. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I mean, I guess now she knows that her dad owns the place. Yeah. Which I don't think she knew before. That's true. Um, yeah. I mean, she already kind of hated her dad and was distrustful of him, but I guess right. it just adds another layer to that. Yeah. So, I mean, now she knows that, and uh, he doesn't know um, that she was that there. That she knows. Right. Or was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he doesn't know that she... Yeah. It's, it's interesting... Uh, Interesting situation for them, I'd say, for sure. Um, and uh, so Donna is going to look into the Meals on Wheels now. Yep, um, see where that goes. She's going to try to take over Laura's route. That's not really that interesting. It's just kind of po- planting a seed for for another episode. Okay. Um, or, you know, a few more episodes. But um, basically, basically two more scenes left here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is at dinner. With the Haywards and the Palmers. Oh, yep. So we kind of knew that their families were close. Um, but, you know, they're having dinner together now. Um, and one daughter is dressed up like some kind of, like, fairy princess. Yeah. And... Leland has the white hair. Right, Leland with the white hair. And um, the other daughter, I... I forget her name. Oh, my gosh. Um, the one who's reading poetry. The poetry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we saw her writing poetry in the pilot, um, and she recites her poem here, right? Right with the with the the, the piano music backing her. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, which is kind of creepy music to play. Like that was oh for sure. And uh, the way the episode ends with the credits rolling with the yes. piano, that's scary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so Donna's Donna's sister, the one who's dressed like a princess and was playing the piano, she, I don't know if you've ever heard the name Alicia Witt, but she's like. I think she's, like, a comedian now. Um, she's been in, like... She's, like, an actor in, in some other stuff. Um, hmm. But she... Yeah, I don't know. I guess her career kind of took off after yeah. that. Um, Does weird. she still do, like, slam poetry? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Twin Peaks readings. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, Leland is... So Leland's all happy. And he talks about it. He's like, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like there's been a weight lifted off my chest. Turned a corner. Turned a corner. And he and he starts to sing a song. It's an awkward scene. It's yeah. a really awkward scene because he's like, "Oh, well, play the song for me," and he gets the girl too. Starts going faster and faster. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because everybody's kind of like going along with it. I mean, his mm-hmm. wife's like, all right, "Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. stop! You're embarrassing me." But like, I don't know. Everyone seems to be like, "Oh, haha!" You know, he's dancing and Having laughing. A good time. Yeah, but then he collapses. Until he collapses, yeah, and then uh... Uh, Mr. Hayward goes into full doctor mode and. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems to be fine. Apparently, he just you know he just fainted or something. Mm-hmm. He's got too overworked. I don't know. It feels like he's trying to like push past his grief. Yeah, w- when he when he's obviously not past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean same thing with him and the big band music and the dancing. Like this, this something this guy and the music. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, right. He hasn't he hasn't quite gone through Dabda completely, but uh, <laughs> he'll 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 get there. He'll yeah. get to that last day. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, at the end here, Audrey is in her room, and, and again, she's realized that she's in too deep, and she's now praying to Cooper, pretty much. 
Yes. Right? <laughs> I mean, we knew that she kind of idolized him and really liked him, but she's, she's now she's literally just praying to him. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And she, she's trying to get out of this situation. Yeah, she's in too deep. Um, and Cooper hasn't read the note yet. That's right. Right. So That's he right. picked up he picked up the note at the end of last season. Yes. He put it on the He put it on the table and then he got and then he got shot. And he got obliterated. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. And then I you know, I guess it somehow like slid under his bed. Um I don't know, there were a lot of people going in and out. There was the waiter, there was the giant, there was the you know, the other three cops. They probably went in there to to help him out. Maybe one of them knocked that letter under the bed, but mm-hmm. But then we see specifically the letter under the bed in the we next do. scene with the giant. Mm-hmm. And um, we see... Yeah, so the giant appears again. Mm-hmm. And he's again... Uh, he's kind of like speaking in Proverbs almost. Like he's saying, you know, better to listen than to talk. He's saying uh, the, uh, a path is formed by laying one stone at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which kind of seems to be what Cooper's methodology yeah. was throughout this whole season, you know, just and kind of liter- taking what he said at a time. Literally in the rocks and bottles when he was throwing the mm-hmm. rocks and then literally one stone at a time. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe just a reminder to the audience, you know, just listen more. Maybe, you know, there's, there's, we're throwing all these clues out here. You just got to find them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the really, really interesting thing that the giant says at the end of the scene, I love this and I love the thought that went into it. He says, uh, one person saw the third man. Three have seen him, but not his body. One only, known to you, ready now to talk. So, ready now to talk. Ready Ronette. now to talk. Ronette, Ronette, exactly. And it goes to the hospital, goes to Ronette, and she's like seemingly waking up from her coma, and she's yeah. she is freaking out, and she uh, has this terrifying vision of Bob. Oh. Now, this is so scary. <laughs> so so we we jump to the, the train car now, mm-hmm. and we see these just horrifying images. Mm-hmm. And we see we see Laura. She has blood on her teeth, mm-hmm. almost screaming. like screaming. Then we see Bob, kind of from a low angle, beating someone. Right. We parent. know that he beat her with like a blunt force yep. kind of object. Yeah. Um, and, and then we see we see Bob screaming. There's lights. You know, there's just so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see the mound as well yep. with the necklace. Yeah, um, and the note. And the uh, the, yeah, the note. It, and it's just this whole barrage of just terrifying images. And meanwhile, Ronette's just flipping out. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting to see, like, it, like now we're ac- we actually get to see it happening. Yeah. So kind of. I mean, so Bob killed Laura. Then, if, if we're if this scene is to right. if this shows Laura dying, then I mean, I, I, we don't know for sure, but like. As of now, I guess I guess Bob was the one, and we don't know anything about Bob other than the vision. Uh, yeah, right. It certainly is a mysterious third man. But returning to what the giant said, mm-hmm. so he said, three have seen him, but only one has seen his body." His body. So, so he exists in some spirit form. I mean, we uh, Mrs. Palmer saw him in a dream, right? Crouching behind the, mm-hmm. like crouching behind the bed. Cooper, so she saw his head, but not his. She whole saw body. his face, right? Cooper saw him in the dream. But only his face. He was and dark, he was talking. Mm-hmm, right? um, and we don't know who the third one is. But as soon as he says, uh, you know, one only known to you uh, and ready now to talk, run it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's going to be a very interesting to see in the next episodes. Yeah. Because, I mean, Ronette was there. Mm-hmm. Ronette can provide some right. key information. Exactly. <laughs> She's now a witness. Yeah. 
Yep. So, so that, uh, that's the end of the episode. And then, and then is, the credits uh, roll as we see the girl playing the piano. That's right. Rather eerily. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I love the thought that goes into all of the Giants dialogue. And also the, you know, the thought that went into even, like, the dialogue at the beginning of the, at the beginning of, like, the first season. Even with, like, the little man, all, all the things he said. Uh, when he said the back in style line, of course. Yeah. It, it, it's, wait, so he said the, the, the cigarettes that you like was and the gum The, the you gum like. you like, yeah. I wonder if that's going to come back at all. But well, well, the log well, lady was chewing gum. Okay, that's right. Uh-huh. In this episode. And it's, it's, speaking of duality, it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting because in the first season we had this little man who was kind yeah. of providing these information and these dreamlike sense. Now we've got this really big yeah. tall guy who's right. providing Polar information. Opposites. Yes, it's interesting. I also, I also didn't really put it together until talking about this episode. But you know the the train car scene um, where we've got that necklace on the mound of dirt. That one half of the necklace is on the mound in a train car where Laura was like brutally murdered. And the other one is uh, on a mound of dirt that, you know, like right under like where James and Donna are kissing. Like one is out of love mm-hmm. and one is like kind of out of, um, you know, rage and fear and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then later on, it's, it's literally in a coconut on the therapist. Office. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and like very opposites. relaxing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I love this episode because of how like a lot of. Most of the episodes in season one are like, you know, they have like some very surreal, uh, you know, elements to them. But then there's some that are more just, you know, just straightforward, you know, mm-hmm. here's what's going on. But I love it when they get weird like this. Yeah. When we, and they're eerie and they're creepy because I think that's, that's when it's at its best. Yeah. And well, I told you this off mic, but I was, I was watching this episode uh, at about 1 a.m. Uh, in my room. And it was, it was pitch, it was like pitch black in my room. And uh, this ending scene came on and I, I, I mean, I had like I've obviously seen seen the the scene before, but I'd forgotten that it was at the end of this episode, so it totally caught me off guard, and I was terrified. Yeah, because don't, you don't like horror movies, right? Like, uh, generally, no. Because you yeah. were like forced to watch it for the podcast. That's right. and I actually really liked it, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm definitely excited for the yeah, for part sure. two. Uh, but this so was, definitely stay tuned. This was on level for some horror movies I've seen. I mean, oh, that yeah. was, I mean, I, yeah, the same thing I saw downstairs yeah, with right. all the lights off. I was mm-hmm. like one of the only people in the house at like 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the strobe lights, yeah. um, very good, very nice use of slow strobe lights there. Uh, it's almost like showing like still images of like the characters, like private hells. It's, it's, it was, it was just great cinematography. Yeah. Great direction from David Lynch. Absolutely. You can, I guess you, you can kind of always tell when it's one of his episodes because this, this one we we loved and this is one of the ones that he directed. So. Definitely one of my favorites. But yeah, I will be excited to see where season two goes. Yeah. And you should as well because we're going to have a lot more podcasts coming out about it. So stay tuned. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we're probably about like two weeks, uh, you know, right now when we're recording this, we're probably two weeks ahead of when this is actually going to be released. Probably, uh, yeah, I think a, so. About a week and a half, maybe. Um, I think we're going to watch the next episode and Absolutely. record that right away. Um, and so we'll get some we'll some raw and cut reactions from that. And uh, it should be good. So, yeah, stay tuned for our next episode. Um, anything else going on in the Twisted Mug world? Uh as always, keep an eye out for uh, <laughs> more CTP content that will hopefully be coming down the line that's right. somewhat soon. Yeah, um, it's, That's always really hard to get together because there difficult. are four of us that we have to coordinate all our schedules. This yeah. one's a little easier because it's just two. Yeah, but it'll be a glorious reunion. I was actually just going back and listening recently to the the best of episode. Mm-hmm. 
I know all the the hilarious moments through the Star oh. Wars prequel podcast, and I was <laughs> yes. literally just crying, laughing. So <laughs> yeah, definitely listen to the best of episode if you oh. haven't. That's a great one, delicious. But um, um, yeah, so keep on keep on downloading, listening, and liking, and commenting and sharing. Yeah, yeah. Um, stop. Wait, what comedy podcast? We've had that. We've had another uh, episode of that come out. That's right. That was this. That was this week. That one was a lot of fun to do. Um, goes totally off the rails as is. As they are supposed to. As usually happens. Um, on Stop Wait What. So, yeah. Um, please just, you know, keep an eye out for our feed. Um, if you haven't yet, give our, our, I guess you can really only give, like, our feed, like, our media media network a good rating. But, you know, give us a good rating. Um, tell us your favorite uh, show that we have on the channel. Tell us, you know, uh, what you like about it. We are always happy to, you know, hear what our fans have to say. Absolutely. And we can see how many downloads we get. So we know that we are getting downloads. So thank <laughs> yes, you very much. We're tracking you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, please, like, reach out to us. Uh, you can email us. You can, you know, do whatever. Uh, and we'll be happy to hear from you. But I guess that's it for this week. Yep. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Logan. And I'm Matthew. See you next time. See you. <laughs>